0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from
1: HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com, and sitting across from me, as he always does, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland.
0: In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. With a shovel? Uh, possibly. Okay. If you know the source of the quote, let us know. And if you don't, go to a library, people. <laughs> All right. So um, today we're going to talk about something that that several listeners have requested over the past uh, well, probably two years or so. But uh, we've had a lot of people ask about radio-controlled toys. Yes. I think RC helicopters is the one that we tend to get the most uh, requests for. But we've also had for RC cars and and, and just radio-controlled vehicles in general. And uh, they all work, at least on the radio side, with the same basic premise. So we're going to cover that, and then maybe we'll get into some specifics.
1: Yes, and oddly enough... I uh, I I have <laughs> a little history. And boy, do I mean history. Oh, sweet. Because this goes back to 1898. And one of our old friends who messed around with radio in its very, very early days. And who had, believe it or not, actually, you probably believe it if you know who we're talking about, a patent for it. So there was an electrical exhibition in Madison Square Garden. And uh, a guy named...
0: Nikola Tesla. Faced off against Marconi in a t- no-hold bar, two out of three falls match.
1: I'm no. Sorry, I'm familiar. Not, not this time. Uh,
0: Madison Square Gardens has a special place in my heart as a wrestling fan. That's just, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, actually, uh, this was a uh, – let me see. Hold on. Oh, yes. I, I wanted to make sure I was right. It was a radio-controlled boat. Uh, basically, a steel boat about four feet long or so, and um, he brought out this radio-controlled boat, and people thought he was controlling it with his mind powers because you know radio was still pretty new at that point.
0: Well, you got to remember, if a technology is sophisticated enough, it would be indistinguishable. From magic.
1: Yes. However, uh, Tesla had his boat uh, powered by several batteries on board. Um, also,
0: there were like eight guys underneath the water <laughs> just pushing it along, holding their breath.
1: Uh, this is Tesla we're talking about. You know, he had access to future technology.
0: Eight robots underwater holding their breath.
1: That's more like <laughs> it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, in a way, it was not terribly different from from our current uh, RC technology. I mean, current? There, there were, I see what you did there. So there were uh, switches that were propelling, uh, powering the propeller, the rudder, and uh, running lights.
0: Oh, so he could even make the lights go on and off.
1: Yeah, and he even had a, a coherer, uh, which is a uh, switch that act- that was activated by radio, um, and uh, uh, had it had it set up so that he could power or or control it by radio. And uh, people were freaked out by it because again, it was magic-like to a lot of the people. Sure. But yes, he has a U.S. patent number 613809 for a wireless remote control.
0: So that's 613,809.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, a, a, a reporter from the New York Times was covering this, and he said, hey, you know what, you could make this, uh, this boat go underwater and carry explosives and... Uh, Tesla basically said, no, 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 no. This is not a torpedo. It's a robot. I made and this robot- to
0: help humanity, not destroy it.
1: Yeah. That's yeah.
0: for the uh, Mitchell and Webb fans in the audience.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, basically they suggested, oh, you could use this for a, a torpedo. They said, no, no, this, this could be used to help people, not,
0: not destroy not people.
1: people. Um, and Although- as it turns out, the, the, the military really wasn't interested in it. They were. Yeah. It was too. It was too much of a novelty. At the time, for it to be, uh, of course, you know now, uh, you know we've got uh, unmanned aerial vehicles and all sorts of other uh, remote-controlled Un- technology. unmanned water vehicles, yes. as well. yeah, naval yes. vehicles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the time, back in the late uh, late nineteenth century, they weren't interested.
0: Yeah, it, technology ahead of its time, really.
1: Oh, really? Tesla and technology ahead of its time. Yeah,
0: Tesla. If Tesla had, if if he had been able to hold on to his uh, patents and his sanity. Um, I think I think the world would be would look a little different today.
1: Yeah, probably so. We, we'd
0: also probably be in fear for our lives whenever we stepped outside, about being zapped by some sort of mac, huge electronic ray thing. Possibly. You know, Anyhow, we're broadcasting it, power over to New York. Stay well, inside. Well,
1: no, no pun intended. Yeah, I'll fact you some electricity. Yeah. Um, oh, that was a Dilbert reference. Um, <laughs> So uh so yeah, it, it sort of uh if you uh uh well pardon the pun, it sort of submerged for a while. Yeah for, for a few decades we really didn't have a lot of uh remote controlled stuff. Um there were people who were into the technology, I would I would say hobbyists probably more than anything else who were into different kinds of, of uh radio controlled uh technology, but it really didn't come back again as something that people were interested in until I would say uh, at least according to my research, around the 1960s mm-hmm. was when you started seeing people with remote controlled cars and planes and, and gizmos for toys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the basics behind this are, are fairly simple. Yeah. Uh, the, you, know, you hold a controller and mm-hmm. that controller has inside it a transmitter. Yep. And, uh, we actually talked quite a bit about transmitters when we did our podcast about how radio works. Yep. But in case you don't remember, uh, the basics behind a transmitter are, well, it's all based on, on things like magnetic fluctuations and the way that the, the relationship between magnetism and electricity.
1: That's about two thirds of our podcast. Yeah. Isn't
0: it? Yeah. It sounds, might sound really familiar to those of you who have been listening to tech stuff for a while, but, uh, here's a very basic transmitter. Let's you, say you've got a battery and you've got two different lengths of wire. Yep. Okay. And one length of wire you connect to either end of a, uh, some sort of voltage sensor. Mm-hmm. So you've got a meter there that's going to register whenever voltage passes through the wire, but it's not connected to anything else. Not connected to a power source. Yeah. And then you've got a battery and another length of wire, and you connect the length of wire to the two ends of the battery. Now, the moment that uh, current begins to flow through that wire, that change in voltage creates a magnetic field. That magnetic field will induce electricity to flow through the second uh length of wire, the one that's not connected to a power source. It's only connected to the voltmeter. And the voltmeter will register that there's a change. Now, it only will have electricity flow as the magnetic field changes. Yeah. So you you can't have a magnetic you can't create a magnetic field and it just perpetually creates this flow of electricity. It's only whenever the magnet, magnetic field itself changes. So by connecting and disconnecting the wire from that battery, you are going to Change the magnetic field, which will in, then uh, induce electricity to flow through that second wire. That's the idea of transmission. There, it's the idea of transmitting radio waves. Is is essentially doing the same thing. You're really mm-hmm. you you've created a uh, a power source and a, a circuit, and by making the the uh, opening and closing the circuit in a regular but rapid way, uh, you can create this. Um, this change in magnetic fields. And then if by putting it through an antenna, you can uh, direct it and, and even uh, uh, amplify it in such a way that you can detect it from a distance. And then depending on how you do this and depending on how you've uh, uh, programmed the receiver on the other end, that's where you get the response. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I were to do this with, you know, by recording music and then encoding that, so that it converts the sound into electricity. The electricity then is essentially converted into, uh, this, ch- this changing magnetic field. Uh, a receiver would have, would receive this changing magnetic field, convert that into electricity, and then have another encoding device that would convert the electricity back into sound. Mm-hmm. That's a very high level way of looking at it. Well, we're not just limited with sound. We can transmit inform- other kinds of information this way, yep. including directions, essentially, to a device. So in this case, we're talking about a controller that let's, – let's take a very basic controller. Okay. Let's say you've got a controller that has a trigger and a wheel, and the trigger is essentially your, your – Throttle. Your throttle, your accelerator. Mm-hmm. So if you pull the trigger, it's sending a series of pulses – It's it's a very specific series of pulses through a very specific frequency. And if your receiver is within range of the the whatever your transmitter's power is, uh the receiver receives this this series of pulses and then interprets that as oh, that's the accelerator button, hit the gas. Right. Although it's not necessarily gas. There are RC cars and other vehicles out there that use gas, but not all of them do. Yeah. Um, or or a them, liquid fuel. Yeah. Many of them will use electricity, mm-hmm. but there are others that will rely on some form of fuel besides, uh, you know, an electrical current. So that's a, but, but the, the series of pulses from that accelerator is going to be different from the series of pulses than if you were to twist the wheel, uh, uh, to the right, which would tell the vehicle, let's say it's an RC car, to turn right, that series of pulses is going to be a different series. So that way, when the RC car receives that message, it can interpret that as saying, oh, this means turn the wheels to the right, as opposed to hit the gas. Yeah. Now, um,
1: it's also important to note uh, one of the things from our radio podcast, uh, that radio uh, has, can take in a number of different forms. I mean, we use, there's a, a broad spectrum of electromagnetic radiation, um, of which radio is a part and, and the radio frequencies, it, it all depends on, um, a number of factors, amplitude, uh, wavelength and frequency. Right. Um, but, uh, just, you know, so it, it, it sort of depends on the shape of the radio wave, basically, yeah. if you want to get right down to it and how many there are. Um, but uh, over a certain period of time, but yeah. the, there are a couple frequencies that are specifically in the United States devoted to
0: consumer electronics, consumer
1: electronics. Yeah. And, uh, and the, this,
0: uh, this is, this is something that's regulated by the, uh, the federal communications commission in the United States, the FCC. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the reason you might wonder why there needs to be such an entity. Uh, the reason for it is that if you had all of your different electronics and it was unregulated, there's a lot of. Potential for interference. Yeah. Because, uh, if you've ever had a, let's, you've had a remote control car before, right? Right. Oh, yeah. If you have a remote control car and your buddy has a remote control car and they're both running on the same frequency and there's no way of differentiating it, then you can't race your car against your buddy's car because every time you press up on your control, both cars start to move because they, you know, they can't differentiate between two signals sent along the same frequency mm-hmm. so imagine that multiplied by an astronomical number if all devices were unregulated i mean there's all you could have the argument of well if it's unregulated what are the odds that the frequency you chose is going to be the same as someone else? Those odds are pretty good, actually. Yeah. If you look at the entire breadth of radio, everything that r- relies on radio transmissions, because it's not just radio, it's television, it's uh, sure. all these other sort of devices. Um, so that's why you had to have a some sort of, of body that would regulate this and say, all right, we are dedicating this part of the spectrum, of the radio frequency spectrum, to consumer electronics.
1: Yeah, we can, uh, I mean, there are a number of of real world non-RC examples. Uh, you know, it's the reason why, um, wireless hubs in your house have the ability to change channels yeah. to ensure that you don't interfere with the neighbors and vice versa. Um, you know, there are tales of, uh, pilots being able to hear Baby monitors, right? I don't or, know if that's accurate. Or, or the
0: old wireless phones, yeah,
1: yeah old the wireless, wireless phones too. Uh, they've they've changed the frequencies on which they broadcast simply to avoid all the radio transmissions in the home. Now that there people have wire uh, wireless networks and things, um, they interfere with one another.
0: Yeah, I remember having uh, a wireless phone where if you turned it on, sometimes you could hear other people's conversations. Yes, like like not not conversations that were happening in your home. Yes. But you They're know, you turn, it, you turn it on. You yeah. You're like, uh, I don't know if I can even make a phone call, and I don't know if I want to because if I do, then maybe someone else is hearing what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah, that that's the reason for the regulation.
1: And I remember too our uh, conversation about the remote controls. They used to use sound yeah. to change the channel, and I used to uh, I would drop magnets. On this toy that I used to play with at my grandmother's house. She had one of those early TVs with, rem- or TVs with early remote control. And I could change the channel simply by, uh, the magnetic, or actually it was a sound thing. So it was the sound yeah. of the magnets falling. Yeah, it was an but, ultra. Uh,
0: it was an ultrasonic, uh, yeah. system as opposed to infrared or radio waves. Yeah. yeah. I had the same thing with the slinky.
1: But you, you happen to have that same, that, that interference, and it was a sound interference, not an yep. electromagnetic interference, but it's it's funny when those little things happen. And yep. this is, uh, they're cordoned off so that, that, uh, people can enjoy the, uh, radio controlled stuff and, uh, not interfere with other people and, and vice versa.
0: Right. And a lot of the, the RC toy, uh, toys out there are, at least the older ones anyway, are, Dedicated in either the 27 megahertz or the 49 megahertz ranges. Some of them are actually capable of doing either, Mm -hmm. so that you know, you if you have a whole bunch of friends together and you all want to race your vehicles, you can switch from one frequency to the other, so that way you know you you avoid this interference problem, and also you can get more specific within a frequency. So let's say that I'm say 27 megahertz is what my, my vehicle runs on. Like, that's, it doesn't, it can't accept information from the 49 megahertz spectrum, uh, or frequency range. Uh, but I could possibly, if you, this is all up to the manufacturer, but, uh, you could create a device that could accept different channels within the 27 megahertz frequency range. So 27.1, 27.2, 27.3. So you might have multiple channels that you can switch on. Sure. And that way, um, uh, if you do have a bunch of friends and you want to race your vehicles, you can all try different channels to make sure that, you know, your signals aren't, uh, uh, conflicting with someone else's. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, that's of course really important if you're in a, a, a competition, because like, there are plenty of actual events out there where people are building RC cars or RC whatevers and competing them against each other in various races or obstacle courses, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, some of them are kit-based, and a lot of them now are really, you buy, <laughs> you spend a lot of money from a particular manufacturer and buy a racing RC vehicle. But, uh, of course, skill comes into play, too. So you, just because you have the fastest car doesn't mean you're going to be the best driver automatically.
1: That's true. Yeah, I mean, there there has to be a receiver, of course, on board, the uh the device that you're controlling. Yes. That's um, the
0: that's the second part of this, right? You've got the transmitter in your hand, but the 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 vehicle itself has to have a receiver. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And of
1: course it will uh the receiver will be attached to a a microcontroller of some type that operates the servos on board the remote controlled thing. Yeah. Um so, you know, and it, and it gets more and more complex. Like for a car, you might have forward and reverse and you know the wheels turning left and right right uh, that's that's pretty simple you know yeah. when you get into something like a remote controlled airplane then you've got other servos and other control surfaces Light. you've got uh this you know the the engine or engines. Yeah. Uh, you've which uh of course you're going to have to maintain speed to keep the airflow going over the wing and keep the the plane moving, but you've also got uh, the rudder controls. Yep. You've got the uh you know the control surfaces on the wing to help you go up and down. Right. Not not necessarily left and right. You've got to operate all of those things. Yeah. Um, for a submarine, you might have the same type of thing where you have control surfaces that that move the sub up or down, left or right through the water.
0: Right. Um, yeah. So uh, the the stuff that that you know servos and motors are very important in these devices. Yes. And th- this is stuff that takes electrical energy and converts it into mechanical energy. Yes. So we really the fascinating thing to me about an RC car is seeing how many different types of energy are being used. Yes. You know how many and it's relying on several different things. It's relying on. Uh, uh, it's relying on electricity, on magnetic, uh, changes in magnetic, um, states. It's relying on radio frequencies. It's relying on, on mechanical energy. Uh, it's a great lesson in basic physics, really. Yeah. When you look at it that way. And when I said that, uh, you know, the older ones run on 27 megahertz and 49 megahertz, there are radio controlled vehicles now that are in, have, uh, are our work in the gigahertz range, because the gigahertz also opened up for some of the gigahertz range opened up for consumer devices. So some of the, the professional, I guess you could call it professional, some of the, the sports enthusiast ones, the RC mm-hmm. racing ones are in the gigahertz range, not in the megahertz range. Yeah. Of course, this is, this is yet
1: another one of those hobbies that you can get into for a fairly reasonable cost if you have, uh, have some money squirreled away, but you can also, uh, really get into things, build things yourself, uh, more complex devices, yeah. more, um, expensive devices. You could move, say, from a, uh, a propeller plane to a ducted fan, which is, uh, what people use to sort of simulate a jet the appearance of a jet, basically the fans inside the engine, and so it appears to be, to work on a jet. Also, I think you can now buy, uh, jet engine, real jet engines for these aircraft, which I imagine need quite a bit of space.
0: And, you know, we've even seen this sort of technology used in actual vehicle vehicles, not model vehicles. Oh, well, I mean, um, the Mythbusters have done it several a number times. of times. Yeah, where where they were trying to recreate a stunt that was too dangerous to have a human behind the wheel of a vehicle or behind the helm of a vehicle, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so they would rig up a robot that would be remote-controlled and they would uh, uh, use that to f- manipulate the vehicle. And, you know, so, yeah, it's there are a lot of different, uh, applications to this beyond the typical, I want, you know, I've got little, little remote controlled 4x4 and I want to drive it around the neighborhood.
1: Yeah, well, battle bots, you know, that was another type of uh, remote controlled vehicle that uh, <laughs> required yes. things. Well, I mean, that, that actually is sort of another illustration too, because say you have a, uh, uh, um, a bot that has crawler treads on it. So you have your left tread and your right tread. Plus, you might have one, two, or even more weapons on the BattleBot. Then you have to have um, your controller, and you'd, you'd have a couple people on some of those crews where somebody would drive the bot. So they would be in charge of making sure it got where it needed to go or got away from the other bot if their weapons were disabled. And then you had somebody operating the weapons. So that required several different frequencies. Um, and the receivers and controllers, the transmitters and controllers to ma- manipulate them and the receivers and controllers on the device itself to handle all those different things. They can c- get quite complex. Um, and again, costly because, you know, those machines cost thousands of dollars. Right. Uh, it's, it, it can be, uh, it can be a lot of fun and it can be very expensive too. Well,
0: and I mean, I've also seen them in, uh, it's, it's not unusual to see it in applications like, um, uh, puppetry. Yeah. You know, the, the Henson company has used remote controlled servos for some of their uh, more advanced puppet characters in movies like Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that they could have more articulation in the character's face, but it's operating under the same principles as the remote control car. Um, it's just you have like a remote control goblin face, (laughs) which I think is pretty awesome. And unfortunately, I don't know anywhere where you can buy it
1: it's um it's really funny that uh you know that something this ubiquitous is actually fairly uh fairly easy to accomplish um and of course, there are many different kinds of uh hobby stores um some may be local to you depending on where you live, others are online and pretty easy to access um, and they offer all kinds of different things um one of the big uh toys I saw for this this past holiday season, the one we just uh finished up since mm-hmm. we're recording this. Well actually we're recording it before this happens, but we're publishing in early twenty twelve where the uh uh air swimmers line of uh inflatable toys that have remote control the it makes the, the there's a fish and a shark that can it looks like they're swimming through the air, which is kind of an actually uh pretty cool uh effect to see. Yeah. But I mean they're they're using the same kinds of remote controls that we've had for decades more or less, just uh different frequencies maybe on the transmitter and receiver.
0: Yeah, and I, I've been I've been kind of um searching
1: oh okay. since
0: uh Chris is wondering why I've been staring at my computer uh I've been trying to I find I figured you were
1: just on YouTube again. He tuned out. That
0: too? No, but I've been trying to find a uh uh specific um toy because I I owned one and I can't remember what it was called, but it was essentially a a little toy battling robot. Oh, they, they, I think there were something like six different types of this, these battling robots. They Mm -hmm. all had different colors. And, um, uh, it was a robot that was remote controlled Mm -hmm. and you would, you would battle it against someone else's robot and it had things like a little infrared transmitter and an infrared receiver. So it kind of like a laser tag type thing where you could shoot at another person's robot and also could do physical attacks like an actual knock A robot over. Um, I totally don't remember this toy. And it was a, it was in a way, it was a really a brilliant kind of move. Although I don't know how well it did in the market, but it also had a uh, sort of a card game element to it. You could purchase packs of cards that would give your robot different stats. So in other words, your robot would be limited at how fast it could go based upon a card that you could scan to give it a speed. And the cards were ranked, I think, 1 through 5. So if you had a speed of 3, you're right there in the middle. Uh, if you found a speed of 5, your robot could actually move it a, at a faster pace. And it would also have armor as well. So that would let it withstand more hits before it registered an actual hit. Uh, it was a neat idea. And I got one and my buddy Oz got one. And we maybe had one fight and that was it. And my, uh, lovely wife has endured the fact that I have this battle robot in a closet, this little bitty thing. It's not like the ones that were in the robot wars or anything like that. Right. Um, but, and all of its accessories that I went out and bought, not to mention a deck of cards where I was trying to get my, those, those weapons and those abilities that would make him better. And some of the cards were specific only to particular robot models. So. So you
1: got cards for robots you didn't know.
0: Exactly. So the idea being that you would trade them for someone else's cards where they might have ones that were useful to you, but not to them, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was brilliant, brilliant marketing, but it, it was all based on this same technology and each robot worked on its own part of the frequency band the robots all belonged to. So that way you didn't have to worry about your, um, your controls interfering with theirs. And there are also some RC Vehicles that are not really radio controlled. There's some that are infrared controlled. Ooh! So it's more like a remote control for a typical television set. Although some of those are now using radio frequencies in the form of Wi-Fi, so that you know you could have the the cable unit or uh, DVD player or Blu-ray player, whatever it is, you could have it out of view, and because uh, it's using. Radio frequencies, which aren't blocked, they don't need a line of sight. Yeah, I was right? going to
1: say, that would be the, the uh, disadvantage of using the IR for that.
0: Yeah, you can't – that's the, uh, the thing about an IR vehicle or an IR anything is that you have to maintain a line of sight in order for it to be uh, uh, controllable. Yeah. Uh, once it gets – like if you if you were to make something that you're directing by IR go around the corner, then you'd suddenly lose contact with it and it wouldn't – it would just stop. Or go on a killing rampage, whatever its default setting is. <laughs> right. So, uh, but from the RC range, you know, you you don't have to necessarily have a line of sight. Now, there is a only a you know a useful broadcast range that yeah. is going to be dependent upon the power supply and the kind of antenna you're using. Um, if uh, so, if you were to say fly a remote controlled helicopter around, and it started to get outside of that. Range, you might quickly have a, uh, a search and rescue operation on your hands.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I thought – I was thinking back to some of the other stuff I had that sort of emulated remote control, but not really. I had a car um, that had a cam system on it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and it came with a, a series of plastic cams. It was actually a, a replica of a Porsche 917 race car, and uh, you would stick a cam on top, and it would do – Whatever the cam had, and the, the cam would rotate, and so the car would basically, you know, would go forward and then reverse and do whatever, but it would do that according to the shape of the cam. Um, and then of course I had the big track, which sort of appears to be remote controlled, but you're really programming it before you even press go, and then it, it does what it does. And, yeah. um, and, so I mean, there, there are other ways of doing Similar things, but it's just not the same.
0: Yeah, like the old remote control toys that would still have a wire attached to them. I had one of those too. Yeah. Where you, know, car you would press or up or down and that would make it go forward or backward, but it's all wired. It's not. Yeah. So you're tethered to it. Uh, yeah, the, the Parrot AR drone. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, something I saw at CES a few years ago. It's the. It's been out for a while. Yeah, it's been out for a while. It's a four rotor copper, copter. Yes. <laughs> chopper. And it, it's a. Uh, well, it doesn't
1: look like a helicopter because it doesn't have that one. Uh, Set of blades up at the top.
0: Yeah, it's got it's got four sets of them, and uh, it looks like a weird hovering drone thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can control those through a a smartphone device. Usually, I think it's only um, iOS. Actually, Mm -hmm. I don't think they have an Android based system yet. I don't know. But uh, they they uh, actually maybe they do i'm looking at their um website and they have a little android icon on it yes a new android app so they do in fact have android now uh when i first saw it it was only for the apple iphone but in this case it's using Mm wi-fi to uh to let you control the the device and you do it through a an interface on your smartphone yeah and uh it's similar to what we've been talking about, except that you know it's it's a, a Wi-Fi frequency not the same as the um, the old direct radio frequencies right so uh, we're seeing lots of kind of experimentation with this this older technology I mean technology that dates back to the 19th century yep uh, and it's really neat to see the kind of toys that are coming out i I was always a big fan of remote control cars I, I owned a few. Um, haven't played with one in a long time because it drives my dog's crazy.
1: I would have figured you'd play with one specifically because it drives your dog's
0: crazy. They don't last so long. The toy's not the dog's. I was gonna dogs say. will last all day long. But no, they will, like I had a I think it was a remote controlled Plymouth Prowler. A purple Plymouth Prowler because that's the only color they came in originally. And uh uh the dogs didn't seem to like those classic lines the same way I did. They're they're not roadster fans. On the other hand,
1: I do have a remote controlled mouse that I use with my cats, (laughs) and you know, so it's it's it sort of works. It's a very uh, uh, low end mouse. Right. You you plug it in uh, to the remote control squeak
0: mouse, not a point and click mouse.
1: Right. And it, uh, it stays charged for maybe about five minutes of, of play. And by play that, I mean I play with the mouse and the cats stare at it like, what is that thing? Yeah. Moving around on the floor. Never mind, I'm going to take a bath now.
0: What is that thing that looks almost but not exactly completely unlike an actual mouse? <laughs>
1: yes. That's pretty much how it works. So we have fun. The humans have fun playing with the remote-controlled mouse, and the cats sit. And there. the cats sit there, which is
0: pretty much the way cats work, anyway. Yeah, that's true. You know, we we work for their amusement, and they just sit there and watch. Uh, so yeah, that's the that's the basics behind the whole RC toy thing. It's you know, like it's remarkably simple. simple, really. It is it is simple, but it's it's relying on some very basic uh, foundations for the way energy and works and the way the different kinds of energy interact. Yeah. And influence one another. It's a, uh, it's neat stuff. If you want to learn more, we actually have an article on howstuffworks.com about how RC toys work. And it has a, uh, some useful information in there so you can learn more about it. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of sites, like I said, online that cater to people who are into this in a hobbyist level where they want to learn more about building their own. And, uh, there are lots of kits that you can get, um, there, you can also find out about competitions if you want to try and hone your skills as an RC driver and go up against other drivers and uh, it's, it's neat stuff.
1: Yeah, if you can if you could find a hobby store near you, um, they're probably going to know about things like competitions and good places to go because of course, oh actually that's something else. Uh you know, we were talking about the FCC regulating uh radio frequencies here in the United States. Uh you know, it's good to stay aware of the laws in your area. Um Maybe not necessarily as far as, you know, if you can buy a remote controlled car in your local store, chances are it's probably legal. But you also want to make sure that you are operating these devices in places that are okay. Um, especially things like planes, because the planes need quite a bit of space, um, to operate. And there may be areas that are specifically off limits to stuff like that, uh, for safety reasons, or you might right. be near a, a residential neighborhood. You also want to operate them in a safe place, um, you know, for obvious reasons. You don't want to hurt somebody or yourself. Or get, uh,
0: or destroy your, your, yeah. your brand new RC car. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh. When, it, when your RC car met up with a real life car. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And uh you know, so you definitely want to do that, especially if you're investing some, some real money into these these right. uh hobbies. Um you know, and plus you don't want to run afoul with the the law and end up with a hefty ticket. Nah. Um
0: Johnny Law might have some words with you.
1: So uh so yeah, keep that in mind. You wanna operate these things safely and uh and uh,
0: responsibly. Yes. And if you guys have requests for any other sort of topic you think would be interesting for us to cover, let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is H S W. Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast,
1: Stuff from the Future. Join House Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing
0: possibilities of tomorrow.